Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a professional sports better who started advantage play betting negative horse pools. My first encounter was when he was able to get free tickets to any show in Las Vegas. And he hooked me up lovely. We've been friends ever since, and he currently helps out my team at Spank Odds, one of the customer service. He's one of my dear friends, my man, Vegas Horsepool Scott. Scott, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Spanky. So, Scott, how was life growing up? Life was growing up was um, was pretty good. Pretty much come from a middle class background. My parents are very hardworking. Uh, what really got me started on my whole road with life is when I was in about the eighth grade and my dad came home from work one day and asked me if I wanted a computer and I didn't know what one was. And he said, um, it doesn't really matter. You'll figure it out. And he ended up buying me a, buying me a little bitty ZX81. It was the first machine I ever had, which definitely set me on my path to um, my love of computers. Scott, you always, you, you know, you're obviously so tech savvy in, 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 in our interactions and in our conversations. Um, with that ZX81, what was what part of computers did you like? Did you start coding already? Was it playing games? Was it what in- intrigued you the more about computers at that time? Well, what um, it was a um, the machine had one k of memory. I didn't quite understand in the eighth grade how to program. I tried to do some uh, game playing on it, but with one k of memory, there just wasn't that much available. What um, what I really learned from that ZX81 of all the possibilities and what it really did is give me a love of the computer and the love to learn more about it. What happened then in ninth grade is my dad and my grandpa and my cousins, everybody started buying the Commodore VIC-20s. When I got the Commodore VIC-20, that's when I actually started programming. And then I went to my dad one day and I said, you know, I really need some help learning this stuff. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, they're offering a college class. We lived about 15 miles from a college. And I said, they're offering a college class. I sure wish I could take that college class on computers because my school didn't have computers yet at that time. And he says, oh, well, we'll just sign you up. I said, "Uh, you don't understand, dad. I'm only in the ninth grade. He said. if you want to go to that class, we'll both sign up. Anybody gives you a hard time, just let me deal with them. And so the first college class I ever took in my career, I was in the ninth grade. Wow. And that and that that class, I can tell you the day I decided computers would be my life. It happened in that class because the teacher put a problem on the board that is so ultra simple, it's laughable. But at the time it changed my life. He had you enter two numbers into a program, which is fairly easy and basic. And then you had to print out the answer followed by the percent sign. And at this point in my time in my life, I believe computers were always right. They only gave you the answer. There was no doubt about it. If you said the computer spit this out, it was true. And I turned to my dad, I said, this cannot be done. 
what he's asking us to do is impossible because there's no way the computer's going to know that this is a should have a percent beside beside it. And then when the instructor showed us how to do it with a simple print statement after the number, I said, oh, my God, you can make computers lie. That this is something I want to be involved in because computers aren't the power. It's the guy behind because he's the one who decides if it lies or not. So my dad really got me into the programming and the computers. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't with, with, um, without his guidance. For you to take a computer class in the ninth grade, you were obviously a gifted, gifted student, Scott. Um, you know, this is something that's that's just amazing. You know, was math and computers always something that you just loved? Um, did you always, always uh, 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 get attracted to that uh, growing up? Or did that just happen because of that one class? No, I've always loved math. And as soon as I... Uh, as soon as I took that one college class when I was in the ninth grade, I was forever sold on computers. But here's the next step in my evolution. My dad was was not uh, pro gambling. He didn't gamble on anything. It wasn't his thing. But his brother, Norm, my uncle Norm, who I love to death, uh, is a big gambler. And my uncle Norm at that time in my life, and even today, was a big horse player. So he came to our house one day and said, hey, I want you to write me a program to predict these horses. I said, Norm, I don't know how to write a program like that. He says, you just figure it out. Here's the, the qualities I want you to have for the program, and I want you to write it. And I wrote the program for him with his specifications, and the program was wildly successful. My best friend at the time, his dad was also playing horses at the track. And of course, I don't know anything about Port Paramutual. I don't know that the more people that bet on something causes it to go down. Didn't I, I didn't know anything like that. So I would start telling his dad what my program was predicting. And I was, I was in the ninth grade and there was a day his dad just came home and said, I just won a bunch of money at the track. Here's $50. I was in the ninth grade. I mean, I thought I owned the whole world. I was so sold. So I was a tout before I was a gambler, which <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, man, so now we know how the gambling bug bit you and the computer, combined computers and gambling, that's a lethal combination. Um, where do we go after that, Scott? Well, then I, um, you know, finish high school. I go to college. I get my, my degree. I'm a business administration, computer science major, and I just work a regular job at that time, going to the dog track once in a while with my uncle Norm, but no real big deal. What really got me sold on the whole gambling thing happened after I moved to California and then ended up in Dallas, Texas, working for a phone company. One morning, I got on to the, um, to the train to go to work and there's a bunch of flyers for poker. And so I called my wife. I said, you know, I think this might be something we might want to try. And I got really, really deep into poker. This is right about the moneymaker time. This is when poker was booming and uh, we were deep in the middle of it. I bought every poker book. I bought every video. I used to spend hours studying studying poker and I did extremely well. I actually thought I was really, really good at the time. 
Well, uh, so so that's that's just crazy. You know, being able. Are you the type of person, Scott, that is a compulsive? You just once you get into something, you don't just dip your toe in. Are you going all in all the time when you when you get into something like that? Like you said, you bought every book, every video. Is that something you do? Well, yeah. Well, at Spank Odds, I get up at seven o'clock in the morning, and I quit working when I go to bed. I'm if I if I'm in, I'm all in. But one of the great things that I didn't know about poker at that time is again, I thought I was really, really good. And I would beat everybody because they would tell me how to beat them. Because if you told me you were a Phil Helmuth fan, I just read the Phil Helmuth books and I could predict your hand because you acted like him. So the way to prove my point is we flew to uh, me and a buddy flew to Vegas and we got involved in my very first poker tournament. My very first poker tournament out here in Vegas, I won. So at this point in time, I think these guys, we're going to have, I'm going to have to move to Vegas, right? They're going to have to build a statue of me. I don't know where they're going to put it, but it's going to be huge because <laughs> I just can't lose yeah. because all the play I used to play four or five nights a week poker. In Dallas. In Dallas, yeah, Yeah. at underground clubs. And I never, here's, this is how ignorant about poker I was, though. I didn't know why I always won. The reason I always won is because I had a real job. I was making six figures, and I was playing against people making minimum wage. When I raised, it didn't mean that much to me, but it meant everything to them. So I never had bad beats. I never, I almost never had drawouts. It was a great life. And then uh, my wife and I decided to, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make one more trip to Vegas, and then I'm gonna quit my job. So we make one more trip to Vegas. We go to the World Series of Poker. I don't enter any events, but of course, there's going to be a little bitty tournament out there. And of course, I win the tournament. No big deal. I win that like I expected to. We uh, hang out at the uh, hotel afterwards, and we decide to go to the poker room. And I just happened to meet Annie Duke's nanny. And you say, well, that's no big deal, right? Well, it's a pretty huge deal because we got to be very, very good friends with her. I come back to Dallas. She has Annie Duke call me. I mean, I think I'm going to be the greatest poker player in the world. Again, at this time, I never realized because I made six figures and had a regular job that I could just run you over. I didn't understand that part of the concept. So we um, probably another couple of months in, in, in uh, Dallas and we decided you know what we're going to move to Vegas and that's when uh, I come out here for six months trying to be a professional poker player and the end of the six months I said I'm never doing this again I'm done I'm getting me a regular job and going back to work because I couldn't do it I couldn't do it was it so so was it because the caliber of players were just so high in Vegas that different than Dallas what was it that made you well, you know, was it, what exactly do you pinpoint the, 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 that you didn't have success that you had in Dallas? Okay. There's two things. Yeah. Number one, I wasn't going to a six figure job all day long. The money meant something to me now, but the difference between playing cards at Dallas at that time is everybody knew me when I sat at the table and everybody respected me. 
And in Vegas, when you're playing, nobody comes to Vegas to fold their cards. Nobody. Mm. Every you play down showdown poker. And I was I never had to play showdown poker because of the respect that I was given in Dallas because I always won. People would lay their hands down to me. I can tell you uh, there's a great hand where a guy laid down uh, pre-flop pocket queens to me. I mean, it used to happen to me all the time. But see, what you don't realize, Spanky, is after he showed the pocket queens, we had like a two and a half minute wait, which was huge, where he was tanking, trying to decide what to do. He was an extremely good player. He always played in the World Series of Poker, too. He never cashed but uh, or never got a bracelet or anything, but he was a really strong player. And he laid his cards down before pre-flop against me because I raised big and they were pocket queens. He said it was really tough to lay these down. And then I lay my two aces on top of his. I said, you did a good lay down. Because I, I always showed him the good hands because if I didn't have the good hand, I didn't show you. So you only got to see that piece of it. But yeah, I love poker even today, but I can't beat the game. I fully admit it. So that's when I went back to work. Got And uh, we got our house bought out here. And, you know, one day I'd been working about five years and I said, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I want to have fun. Here's what I want to do. I want to pay the house off. I want to pay the cars off. I want to put solar on the house. I want to lower our expenses to a reasonable level that I could do any job I want. I quit my computer job and I'm going to do something in gambling. So that's what I did. And I ended up going work for a, for the headquarters of a sports book here in Vegas. Wow. Okay. So this is, so um, you went, which job did you go from to go to the sports book job? I was working a uh, networking job, a computer networking job. Okay, so you, to get so you worked at the sports book. Would you want you want to keep that the name confidential, or do you want to share them? I'd rather just say it's a just big. It, this is big, a, it's a big sports book. Big sports book. Okay, so you you're working in the sports book. What do you learn now working at this sports book? Are you what do you is is this your only income? Or are you making other income on the side? Um, this my wife is working. But I, I'm working there too. It doesn't pay but peanuts. But I wasn't there to make money. I was there to figure out how to make a living doing gambling. And I got very, very lucky. Um, one day I'm sitting at my desk. My buddy Robert, who um, I won't say his last name, but he runs a big uh, um, sports book now in Reno. He walked by my desk and says, hey, I'm throwing a, a horse training seminar. Do you want to come to it? And I figured, you know what? I got nothing else planned. I'll come to it. So we all go in there and we start talking about the horses. And afterwards, he says, you know, Scott, people live in Vegas like kings. I said, do they really? He said, yeah, just from betting horses. I said, well, how do they do it? He said, they bet negative short um, show pools. I said, you got to tell me what that is. He says, you go home, you look it up, and we'll talk about it the next day. So I go home and start doing a research on this because I'd never heard this term before, negative show pools. What a negative show pool is, is when the, the track brings in X number of dollars and they've got to pay out X plus dollars. So they lose money on the race. 
It happens when you have an extremely high favorite, especially if you have it in a state like West Virginia. Back when I used to do it, you could do it in West Virginia. You could do it in Iowa because they would pay 10% on the money. So when you bet $2 on a horse to show, you would get back $220, no matter what you really should have got. So I was talking to Robert and... So the biggest problem I had with what he was telling me is how, how am I ever going to get this data? So I spent a couple of months trying to figure out how to get this data. And there was a track, which I won't name, uh, probably won't even tell you off, off air, uh, that was opening up their data and they were allowing me to scrape it. All you had to do was have a username and password. Well, I can't get a username and password because I live in Nevada. So I call them up. I say, this is Scott. I'm going to be moving to your state. I'm a big horse racing fan. He said, okay. I said, I'd like to be able to bet at your site. He says, well, no problem. So he sets up my username. He sets up my password. And I said, well, I need to mail you a check to open my account. I said, um, it's going to take me a couple of days to get that check mailed. And I said, how long before the, will you close my account if you haven't received the check? And then he laughed and he said six or seven years. Uh, and so we both had a nice chuckle of it. Huh? No, no way in the world am I ever going to send them money. All I want is their data. So I used to scrape their data. I created a logarithm so that I could predict what the show prices were going to be for every horse in the race, no matter how the race finished. So then I was able to backtrack it in there to find out how much I would have to bet on every horse to completely break even. So then once you break even, then you get all the comps that the, that the sports book offers you. That's how I would get all. That's why I would always want to take somebody to go eat, eat food with me because I had a sports book that was willing to give me food because I had tremendous volume. Then I would be able to get show tickets. I would be able to get all of these rewards just because of these comps. It was a beautiful deal. But um, yeah, I believe negative horse pools is pretty much dead. Um, the, the one thing that I did do, looking back on it, that was really, really smart, is once I figured out how to make this work, then I had to figure out how to get that information to me without sitting in front of a computer all day. So I figured out how to hack Twitter so that it would send me the information on Twitter. So I had it send it to me on a private account that only I was allowed to look at because I was the only subscriber to the private account. And it would tweet me exactly how many dollars I need to be bet on each horse in the race to break even. And then one morning I got up and I said, you know what, I should start selling this information because then I could network with people who really know what they're doing with horses. So then I don't have to just bet the negative horse pools. I can start betting other races. And that's when I ran into a guy named Joseph, who I'm still friends with today. He's one of the best horse guys in the country. I got really lucky meeting him. Networking is probably the best thing I've ever done. And at the time, I didn't even realize how valuable it was. Robert has been huge to me. Joseph has been huge in, in my gambling career. But that's pretty much the horse story right there. Man, that is just awesome. I love that. So you essentially, because of this negative horse pools, you essentially had 
as many shows as you wanted to see, as many rooms to put up your guests or to put up friends and, and whatever, as many meals that you wanted, uh, cruises, all the perks, the, the, all the offers, all the giveaways, you were essentially living a free, you know, just a, a comp life. It was a comp uh, life. Yep. Um, and, and, and just by writing that program, I love hearing that. That's such an awesome story. Um, so you say the thing dried up then, um, what then, what, you know, did you wind up shifting then to sports, Scott? What came next after that? Well, what came, the reason it dried up, well, the reason it dried up for me a little bit earlier than it dried up for the whole world is because one of the sports books that I was doing business with kicked me out and says I wasn't allowed to bet horses there anymore. So that dried up one of my cruises. It dried up one of my locations to take people for food, one of my places to, to grab shows. So I was down to just one place then, one really good place to bet my show, my show money. So that's, but now today they don't, they don't, the show things don't, uh, don't work that way anymore because of computer traders. Computer traders now are putting money in at the last possible second to make those pools so those negative pools don't exist anymore but what i what here's here's how i decided to switch because since i've lost horses i'm not going to give up so what i do next before sports is i talk to um to one of the guys in vegas and i find out about this situation that you can do with craps machines not the not the live dealer ones i don't want to play with them i want to play with the machines you could play on one of the uh tabletops and you could rack up comps like there was no tomorrow all you had to do was take a buddy with you i had the formula written down where one guy bet one side one guy bet the other side you'd lose about two and a half three percent was all that you had at risk but you had the two or 3% on a little amount of money where you got all the comps was on the money behind. So I played and racked up a ton of comps on that. They take those out. I'm not giving up. So, so but, but how long did it take before the horse, before you got detected and kicked you out of the horse? And how long did it take before that craps hustle uh, expired? How, uh, how long are we talking here? Weeks, months, years? Oh, uh, the crap thing probably lasted a year. How about the horses? The horses was probably three and a half years. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. Keep going. You don't after the craps thing now. <laughs> so now they've taken the craps thing away. And I said, well, I met a, I met a guy, actually you were with me at the time. His name is Will. Again, I'm just going to use first names. Yeah. He said the best thing that could happen to you is for them to take away your advantage. And you know what? At the time he said it to me, I thought, this is the craziest statement I've ever heard somebody say, but I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if they didn't take my horses away, if they didn't take away the crap hustle. Because next thing I do is the only thing left for me to do at this point, and that's sports. So what I do at this point, and I'm a big, big gambling with an edge fan, and I want, I want to say this right now. I still can't believe that show's gone. Uh, I sent Richard Munchkin a message after he'd been on the show one time. I sent you a message after you'd been on the show one time. I got to meet both of you guys, great friends with both of you. And uh, I was very lucky that both of you are willing to respond to me. 
But after talking to Richard a little bit, and I realized now I got to come up with something new with no more craps, I'm going to go into sports. So I kind of wrote my own spank odds. Now, it's not like yours. It's nothing compared to yours. Mine was looking for low-hanging fruit. What I was looking for was a situation where some sports book was off. So I was scraping information, bringing it in, looking for bad lines. So I would have those bad lines tweet me on Twitter at a private account so I didn't have to sit in front of the screen. So then I did that for a while and was able to pick up the comps now have just went way, way down because sports doesn't have the comps because you can't spend as much money because they won't take those big bets from me at that time from sports. But um, that was my forte into, um, into the sports world. But then I got to actually meet you. And I, at that same time that I met you, I still, I had my quote unquote spank odds running still. And I didn't really get deep, deep into the sports betting until after our meeting, it was sometime after that meeting and before Bet Bash won that you contacted me and said, do you want to be a beta tester? And then I looked at your spank odds and I realized, I realized how much information that I didn't have on mine and how much information you had on yours. And I said, I would love to test it. And that's what really, really took my sports career off was spank odds. Well, that's, um, yeah, I, I, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, it was, um, you know, you were, I remember you were scraping some websites and, mm-hmm. and I said, Scott, I, I, you know, this is great stuff and I could try to help you even do better than that. And, um, I know you're a big fan of the best column on spank cards and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, and, and different things and just to be able to find all the urns and stuff. Um, let's talk about your progression in sports. Um, you know, you're, you're a professional gambler, you, you know, whether it be horses, casino play, and now you're into sports betting and you're able to beat that consistently. Um, and, um, you know, how, how do you have the mental, uh, fortitude to be able to continue to adapt, Scott, because most people just give up, um, what sets, what sets you apart from the rest of the people that you just, you have, you're tenacious in a sense, um, why do you always keep adapting and keep being, and keep, uh, the, keep, um, maintaining the ability to earn? That's a very easy answer is I got better friends than most people. I always seem to have the right friend at the right time. Um, Well, let's talk about the, the odd screen that I used to run. I was friends with you at the time. And I just happened to mention to you in passing, Hey, you know, my odd screen, it's, you know, it's pretty slow, but I'm earning from it. And so then it was, it wasn't that much longer that you finally said, Hey, why don't you test this out for me? And then you kind of got tired of me reporting all bugs I had found. You said, Hey, you want to run the support department? And I said, yes, I would. So I I always have, and see, that's the the reason. And I don't, I don't know if you really realize this, but the reason I work so hard on spank odds, number one, I want you to be proud, but there's some, there's another reason. The reason is simple. 
in four or five years, you're going to be sitting around and you're going to be talking to somebody. I don't know who it is, but you're going to start another business. I don't know what it's about. But when you start that other business and you start negotiating with your partner or Mike or whoever you're talking about, I don't want you to wait two seconds before you say, Scott's got to run support. That's <laughs> why he's got to run it. I mean, whatever this we're doing, Scott's got to run it. That's why I work so hard every day with spank odds because I don't want to run against anybody. I want to run unopposed when you start the next business. And you probably don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is, but I'm running for it right now. Scott, you and me are married at the hip for life. So that's obvious. And um, you're my man forever. And um, and I think another big thing, I think, Scott, that makes you so good at doing support or being such a great that we get such good reviews is just because you're not only uh, uh, the support guy, you're also a client in essence. You're a user. You actually use this stuff and you actually use it on a daily basis. And you know what's important. You know what isn't. You use this to bet professionally every day to make a living doing this. So this is not just being a support from the outside looking in. You're on the front lines every single day. And there's a lot to be said about that. Right. Because my, I'm actually a little bit embarrassed when somebody reports a problem that I didn't catch first, because <laughs> if I'm doing my job as a professional better, I should have caught it way before anybody else saw it because I have access to everything. If I want to get a programmer on the phone right now, all I got to do is get it. If I want an idea with you to add a feature, all I got to do is make a phone call. There is no excuse where somebody beats me to finding something. There's no excuse. And that's, and it happens a lot where I'll find something that nobody else has tripped on. But the reason I find that stuff that nobody else does is because I go through every single menu item, every single option. I'm looking to find the mistake so that we can improve because we want to be the best. We don't want to be one of the odd screens. We want to be the only odd screen. That's what I want every day. Scott, I'm telling you, like, this is music to my ears and this is why um, you and me will always be together because you're the best at what you do. You're incredible. You mentioned earlier that you have better friends than everybody. Um, you're an easy go. You know, you're in such an easy guy to talk to, an easy guy to become friends with. How do you find it so that you know not everybody can make friends as easily as you? Um, you are um, the late great Dinky. Told me, man, Scott it was great. I know. I'm so glad you you know you introduced me to him. You met Dinky at the first Bet Bash, and you guys were friends right up until the day he passed. Um, tell me about what makes, you know, creating friendships, not just for you, but in general, so important in this business. I, I'll do that, but I'd like to I'd like to respond to the Dinky comment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dinky, um, Dinky was a huge player in my life. I wish I could have met him earlier. And um, people are probably going to disagree with me when I say this, and I don't care. I believe if you're going to an event, you want to be 30 minutes, 45 minutes early. The reason you want to be early is because somebody's going to come that's big, important, and knows three times as much as you do. And now you've got them heads up one-on-one -on -one for 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Guess who came early? Guess who was an hour early to bet bash one? 
That was Dinky. me. I went, I went there. Guess who was 45 minutes early? That was Dinky. Who spent heads up with me for 45 minutes? Dinky said to me, hey, said, you want to go eat pizza? I would have said yes to anything. If he said, hey, you want to go rob a bank? I'm all in. Give me the car. So so we're down there, we're eating pizza. And he says, Scott, I want you to tell me everything you do and I'll help you. If you want, if you want to learn, if you want to be a, a pro and really do this business right, tell me everything you're doing and I'll tell you what you're doing wrong and how to improve. And I've got to tell you, even today, I'm still working on some things he told me to do that I have not accomplished yet, but I work at it every single day. And I don't know, and we'll go back to your question now that I've done my dinky story well, let uh, me add let me add to that dinky thing that you just you know just for anybody you know that, that didn't have the privilege or or, or, or the, the opportunity to meet dinky that's the kind of guy dinky was in which you know he'll want to help you not asking for anything in return he's always there and open and that's the type of guy he was and um, one of my first interviews I've ever done was on Be Better Better's was with Dinky. Um, I miss you, Dinky. You know, I, I know you're looking down on us and, and anybody um, that, you know, he, he's just one of the best, best gamblers um, that I've ever known, best sports. But so thank you for sharing that story. That was really touching for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. And every time I met him in Vegas after that, he would always say, how you doing on your list? Yeah. How you doing on your list? Do you have any questions about what you should be doing? And I said, I'm going as fast as I can. I'm not as good as you. I'll get there, but I'm, it's taken me a little more time. And like I said, I'm still working on it. But that Bet Bash 1 was phenomenal for me. And uh, let me tell you two more stories since yeah. uh, we're talking about Bet Bash 1 here. And then we can talk about how to make friends. But I met a great guy there, probably the best Canadian football guy in the country, guy named Kevin. Um, your man, Luke, grabbed Kevin and said, hey, I want to introduce you to Scott. I so thank him for doing that. I talked to Kevin two, three times a day. He, he, um, he, even this morning, he was talking about Canadian football and who he liked and who you should get a position on now because those lines are going to be moving. Kevin is phenomenal. Again, I won't say his name, but if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast because Kevin is the nuts. And then I got to spend about an hour with Chinese Mike right there at the bet bash because I was having some trouble walking at the time. At the time, I thought my knees just hurt, but it turned out I was home about six weeks and I actually had double surgery, double knee surgery. So it was no surprise that I couldn't walk. I didn't know it was as bad as it was, but Mike took me under his wing and then he took me to the office and um, gave me a tour. But bet bash one was huge for me. And then of course, Let's talk about Bed Bash 2 for a second. But before, but before we go to Bed Bash 2, you just mentioned Chinese Mike. Chinese Mike is kind of a mystery to a lot of people, Scott. Chinese Mike, you know, his, he, he'll never come on a podcast. He's a, you know, he, he deals with Betty Porners. You're one of the few people that actually, besides, of course, myself and the inner circle, can you just describe um, for just the, the listeners that don't, you know, that have only heard the name or that don't know him personally, can you just describe how, would, how, you know, I know you recently had dinner with Chinese Mike. Like what is, how is Chinese Mike and interacting with him? Just, you know, for, if, if you don't mind sharing that. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Um, yeah. We just had supper the other night. He is, uh, 
he knows he knows so much, but he's able to bring it to your level and then bring you up to where he's at. And that's a real superstar teacher to be able to do that because he doesn't shoot at his level. He shoots at your level and then drives your knowledge up to where you need to be. Yeah. I asked him a million questions. I think he almost got to eat the other night (laughs) when we were together because I was asking him so many questions. He's a brilliant guy. I love hanging out with him. Um, I hope to be able to eat with him again. Uh, very, very soon. Great guy, though. And thank you. Thank I talk. I talk to him. You know, at least once a week on some issue. So love it, love it. Okay, you said you were mentioning Bet Bash two now. Go ahead. Yeah, Bet Bash two though was even better than in Bet Bash one. Bet Bash two having the four solid days. It had to be the best four days of my life because everybody you'd ever want to meet was there, and anybody you wanted to talk to was there. And you could talk to everybody. So the reason I guess I'm very easy to make friends with is because, and this might be a bad thing, but I can pretty much tell within the first 15 or 20 seconds, if you're my kind of guy, and if you're my kind of guy, I'm all in. And if you're not my kind of guy, well, then we'll just have to go our own ways on it. But, you know, it's like when I met you, it was, you know, 10, 15 seconds. I know this is a guy I want to be friends with. Munchkin, that's a guy I want to hang with. But where I guess I make those decisions very snap, but I'm not wrong very often. Absolutely. I'm very lucky on that. Love it. Love it. So, um, you know, you mentioned you have a lot of good friends that, you know, in the sports betting world. Did, did you make a lot of these connections at BetBash? Well, I made a few before Bet Bash, but the whole world exploded on me at speed networking. Here's what happened. There's a guy named Adam. He lives in um, Phoenix. Okay, cool. So we're in speed networking. We're getting along good. He's my kind of guy. He is uh, a huge NFL guy. He placed in the Circa contest. He placed in the Westgate contest. This guy knows his stuff when it talks about the NFL. And I used to have get-togethers at one of the strip casinos on Sunday night. One or two of us would go to the strip. We'd just sit there and we would complain about bad beats. We'd complain about what was going on and this is what's good going on. And we'd do just one, two, three of us would be there together at a time. And I invited Adam. I said, hey, I really want you to come to this to this get-together. And he said, uh, Scott, I'd really like to, but I can't. I said, well, what's wrong? He says, I live in Phoenix. I said, dude, I thought you lived in Vegas. I said, we got to do something. If you live in Phoenix, I don't want to lose contact with you. We're going to have to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. What we ended up doing was putting together the round table. And all of us, we have a group where we get together, we share information. Somebody has, um, somebody just learned this happened in the world and they share it with the group. And I would say about 80% of that group, I met at Bet Bash 2. And wow. the ones that, yeah, and about 5% of the group, I met at Bet Bash 1. So about 85% of the group, Bet Bash alumni. Wow, amazing. And uh, is it safe to say that your bottom line has increased um, because of this group? Uh, yes, yes. I, I believe 
my income today is so high is because of the friends I have. And if I wanted to double my income this year, all I'd have to do was double my friends. That's, that's where you make your money. The friends that you have is the most valuable resource that you have. And the thing is, I can go to this group and I can ask any question in the world. And we have a world expert on it. You know, you want to talk, you, you had a black Jack question. We got a world, uh, we got a blackjack hall of fame member. We don't have a guy who played three times blackjack. We got one in the hall of fame. You want a poker question? We've got a world champion, a world champion. We have in the group. You want to talk about the NFL? We got a guy who cashes in both of the, both of the, the events, the circuit and the Westgate. You want to talk about college football? I've got an originator. This guy's originating numbers are phenomenal guy named James. Met him at Bet Bash too. Never going to lose this guy. The closing line value he gets is phenomenal. People would kill to know this guy. Um, so yeah, Bet Bash is where you meet people, and Bet Bash, whatever it costs, it isn't enough because you're going to make so much more money than that. I love Bet Bash. The only thing I didn't like about Bet Bash is you made us wait more than a year between Bet Bash two. Bet Bash three, but you've promised you won't do it again. No, that's it. It's going to always be in August going forward. Scott, man, I, I you know, a lot of people might think I'm paying you to say all this. <laughs> like, this is solicited, and you know what I mean? This is completely, uh, you know, just make sure that we put that disclaimer in. <laughs> like, I, you're not getting paid anything. This is all your testimony, man. I'm not, you know, I don't know what you're going to say, you know. <laughs> For all I know, you could have said Bet Bash sucked. You know what I mean? And that's what, so just please, just make sure that we put that out there. Scott is speaking from the heart here. Um, and this is, you know, this is what he feels. And, uh, and I appreciate it, obviously, wholeheartedly. Um, so but there's Scott, no way, there's no way I could be bought. Yes, so. absolutely. No, you're too honorable for that. And you're, you're going to always, you're, you're always uh, shooting straight, always. Um, and believe me, I tell people, I won't mention things, but there are times in which you've called up and said, Spake, I'm going to tell you something, and you're not going to want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've gotten a few of those, and that's just yeah. how it is, I, which I love. Your, your honesty is great, and um, and that's just the relationship that we have that, um, you know, it's not always good news. It's real, and that's what we want. So um, so that's why when you say these things about Bet Bash, I know you mean it wholeheartedly, and um, it's great to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I can um, think of about 10 different times I've called you up and said, you don't want to hear this, but you got to hear this. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's when I brace myself. I'm like, Here we go. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is, yeah, it's just part of it. And um, okay. So um, we, we could let, let you, you know, let's talk about, before we talk about Bet Bash 3 and what our future plans are, Scott, do you want to go, you know, maybe just talk about a, a typical day the life of of Scott and, and what you do every day when it comes to managing your betting, managing spank odds, et cetera, you know, being a part of this group and whatnot. Yeah, I can, I can do that. I get up sometime in the morning between six and seven o'clock in the morning. And I, first thing I do is I grab my phone and I look to see if there's any messages on Twitter to the spank odds account because i want to know before i get out of bed if we got a problem because i want to be able to start engaging people for example do i need you do i need one of the back-end programmers do i need one of the front-end programmers who do i need i want to know that before my feet hit the floor 
So that's the first thing I do. Second thing I do is once I get downstairs, I, I have, um, I have more spank odds, uh, log ons than most people. I have about eight. So the first thing I do is I close all of my spank odds. The reason I close them all is because you should close them. You need to have a new, um, a new log on every single day, especially if your machine goes to sleep because you could miss uh, updates. So I close them all. And then I open them all up because I want to, first thing I want to know is do new people logging on right now have a problem? And I've got eight chances to have that problem. Everything's good there. Then I'm looking in the chats about um, the, sp the Spank Odds group chat to see if there's any news there that I'm unaware of. Then I start looking at the roundtable chat. Is there anybody in there talking about something? Like, is Kevin giving out his CFL picks? Is James giving out uh, early numbers for college football? Is there NFL news? Um, there, there's so much going on on a day-to-day -day basis. It's just incredible. But that's what I start doing. And as soon as I get all of my spank odds brought up, then I start looking through them. And I look at through them through a very critical eye. I'm looking to complain to somebody. So I start looking and I start from the very first sport and I go to the last sport. And the first thing I'm looking for is bad lines. So for example, if everybody has a minus 200 and somebody up there has got a minus 100, something's wrong. So now I know one of two things. I either have to call the program where we got a problem or if the book is friendly, and I have a few friendly books, I call the book and say, hey, you got a problem here. You don't want to be dealing this line. Now, there's some books in Vegas that are not friendly towards me. I don't call them. We'll let them deal on their own. But there are several in this town that are very, very good to me. And uh, I don't want anybody taking advantage of them with a bad line. You shouldn't bet the bad line anyway. People make mistakes. Let's cut them a break. This industry would be so much better if you had a positive relationship between the bookie and the better. For example, if I have a problem, well, I'll just mention them. Circa. If I have a problem with Circa, I can send Jeff Benson a message He'll fire me a message back in a minute and a half and we'll work it out. Whatever it is, we'll work it out because there's a lot of respect and there's trust between us. If we just had that, if we didn't think that both sides hated each other and realized we need each other, this industry would be so much better. There's a, there's a lot of books that are willing to do that. But when you get to, to one of the books that is a, big national name it's hard to get somebody that can you can actually deal with that will um you can have a personal relationship with and i really think that's unfortunate but um i spend a lot of time in the roundtable chat trying to figure out what's going on to see if i can start getting some kind of positions and then by about um somewhere about lunchtime then i finally get some to eat so, and then the rest of the day just kind of rolls on from where it is. I always try to find one day a week to be able to go, go have a, a lunch or a supper with, to try to learn some more about the industry that I don't know. 
because there's so much that every one of us doesn't know. If we just admitted that, because you're going to hear something at that meeting that you never thought of, and it might be your next angle that you don't even know about today. That's like getting to spend the time with Chinese Mike. I thought maybe he'll let something slip. Maybe he'll say something. Maybe he'll change my life. But yeah, I've had some really, really good meetings this week. Yeah, love it. Um, man, that sounds like a busy day. And um, yeah, Chinese Mike doesn't slip too often, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is great, man. Scott, man, I'm loving this. So let's talk about uh, the future here. Um, um, Bet Bash 3 coming up. Um, what are your plans, Scott? And, and where, where, do you, we don't, where, where are you going from here? Um, is your plate full or can you add something else on? Uh, there's always room for more. There's always Love room. It. So Bet Bash 3, I have some really big plans. One of the things, in that, and we talked about this briefly before, I've gotten a lot of people talking to me about proxy services. And we've kind of talked about a little bit. And um, I'm I'm opening a proxy business this year. It's going to be VHP Proxy. I'm going to be one of the uh, one of the guys at Bet Bash number three. The opening party. You're going to have two opening parties at Bet Bash three. I'm going to be doing signups for the contest there, and try to. I'm going to give people the Bet Bash users, the Bet Bash clients a better price than anybody else in town. I'm trying to figure out how to get the price as low as I can. So I can't tell you the price yet, but our, we're going to start signing them up right at Bet Bash. So all you're going to have to do is once you check in, come over and see me and uh, we'll get you signed up for the contest. Love it. So Scott, you're one of our major sponsors this year and I appreciate that. And um, this is kind of big, you know, uh, having Bet Bash in August, was huge because now you can enter these contests um, at the Circa and, and at the Westgate or anybody else that has these contests. And um, you need a proxy if you're not from town, if you're not, you know, local if, or in Nevada. So um, you have to sign up in person, but then you need a proxy to put in your picks. And, um, and there's a lot of proxy services out there. Um, some of them are good. Don't get me wrong, but some, uh, you know, leave much to be desired. And, um, you know, again, I've known Scott for so long and I know Scott, you're going to run an awesome, awesome product here. And, um, you're just like you do in, in with Spankout's customer service, you're going to put the customer first. So we mm -hmm. have an exclusive deal with you, Scott. Um, uh, what's the website, Scott, for people that need to know, um, to be able to sign up, uh, for the proxy service with you? Well, my website is vegashorsepools.com. Perfect. And and we'll be doing the signups in person at those two events. We're probably also going to do one right before the watch party too. Okay. So there'll, there'll be three opportunities at Bet Bash, and but I'll be at Bet Bash a hundred percent of the time. Um, I live about 15, 15, 20 minutes from uh, Bet Bash, but I'm not driving that. I'm actually staying downtown just like I did last year because I believe it is too expensive to drive back and forth and waste that 15, 20 minutes one way where you could spend that 30 to 40 minutes talking to somebody else that could potentially change your life. So there's no way I'm going to be staying at home. I'll be downtown. Um, probably staying at either the D or Circa. I haven't really decided yet. Gotcha. If somebody wants to sign up or make an appointment with you to, to sign up for these proxies, 
Um, do you have an email on that website or do you want to give it out now? Or what email can to set up, maybe set up a time ahead of time to meet you? Well, yeah, I'm Vegas horse pools at gmail.com. And the, probably the easiest way and the best way to contact me is on Twitter at Vegas horse pools. Love it. Scott, my man, this has been such a pleasure talking to you about this, um, about your career on how you've conquered, um, you know, so many facets of gambling and able to support yourself and have, uh, you know, I've seen, man, you've gotten the, the, first, the tickets. There was a show. Is that is absinthe still a show in Vegas? Uh, uh, I I believe it is, but I haven't been to a whole lot of shows ever since COVID. Yeah, I just so I, I remember just I remember you got me tickets to Absinthe, which was the hot ticket in town at the time, and then you and I went to go see Barry Manilow, man, and I'll never forget that. I love that. That was a show that's on my bucket list for years. Um, love Manilow and uh, anybody. If anybody's out in Vegas, is he still performing at the Westgate or? Uh, yeah, but he's getting really old. I've got a great Barry Manilow story if you want to hear it oh, about I'd an advantage to. play. Okay, so this is a great story. So I'm I'm a member of one of these uh, show tickets in Vegas that are free, and they had the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar game show at Westgate. So I go to it. It was, and they had all the newlywed game and all that stuff. And so, and I had a great time and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then about a week later, my schedule was open and I thought, well, I'm just going to go to that show again. So I go to that show again. They've got the same questions in the same order. Wow. And I'm like, I think a smart guy could do something with this. So I started frantically writing down all the questions. The the free the uh grand prize for winning the newlywed game was $500. Second prize was two tickets to Barry Manilow. I don't remember what third prize was. So we go and, and now it's the third trip there and I've taken my wife this time. So I pull my hat down. There's not very many guys in the in the crowd. There's probably 10 guys in the crowd. They're raising their hand, trying to get all in the, all, all these early events. I don't want picked. I want to be in the newlywed game because I know all the answers. And my wife and I have already um, rehearsed exactly what we're going to do so that we can win the money. Okay, so the minute... They call for volunteers for the new game. My hand goes straight up and he picks me immediately. Okay, cool. I'm in the driver's seat, right? My wife and I are up there. We get the first question right. We get the second question right. We're not missing anything because there's no chance, right? I know the answers. The problem is we tied another couple. That was okay because we saw a tie happen earlier in the week. I knew the answer to that. It had the number of slot machines or something in Vegas. I had the exact number, but I didn't want to give the exact number because I didn't want it to be too obvious. So I waited till the other couple answered, gave their number. We just got closer. So we won. But there was one part in the game that I got scared about. My wife is a huge Barry Manilow fan. I took her to Barry Manilow probably four or five times. And I was afraid she was going to throw it to try to get the <laughs> second place ticket. I love it. So we got to one of the questions right before the tiebreaker. And I'm thinking, 
what if she's out thinking me here? <laughs> she put the wrong question. <laughs> That's great. But she didn't. But that thought went through my mind because she could throw this and get the tickets. But she didn't. So here's what happens then. So we win. We win the $500. And here's how it really gets good. We're back there walking to get our money. And I'm rocking right behind the couple that ran second in the game, which got the Barry Manlow tickets. And the wife says to the husband, she says, I don't know what we're going to do those tickets. We got to go to the airport in you know, a couple of hours. I go, I got a ben- Benjamin Franklin here. I'd like to buy those tickets from you. She wow. grabbed the hundred dollars and handed me the tickets. Oh so man. <laughs> so I scored all the way around. So oh, beautiful. That was beautiful. that was that's my favorite Barry Manlow story. You're you're it's your even advantage playing game shows, <laughs> re- repeat game shows like that press your luck guy. Uh, the yes. documentary I remember, or the Price is Right guy, where they would put on the same items up for bids, where the guy would know the exact prices. I see. Unbelievable. Scott, man, I love how you're able to find the edge in all these different ways. <laughs> it's amazing. It's inspiring. I, I'm really, I love that. It's just, it's, it's just so great that um, you're an edge seeker and you're always getting, trying to get the best of it. Scott, before we leave, the name of the podcast called Be Better Betters. Um, I always ask everybody if there's one piece of advice you could give somebody an aspiring sports better or want a want a, somebody that's an up and comer that wants to try to get better at betting, what piece of advice would you give them? Well, I could give you the easy answers by going to bed bash, using spank odds, but the truth is the best thing you can do if you want to maximize your earn is don't get in this game. This game gets worse every single day. The relationship between the the books and the and the betters gets worse every day. I fight that every day by trying to build strong relationships. But there's some big companies you just simply can't. Uh, I work probably 14 hours a day, and there's no job that I could get that wouldn't pay me significantly more for working 14 hours a day than this one. I The reason I would still do it again is just because I love what I'm doing. I only get to deal with the best of the best on everything. Everybody that I deal with are superstars, but not everybody's as lucky as me. You would be better off doing this game part-time working your full-time job. I would say the same thing about poker. Instead of being a professional poker player, do it part-time. That way you have your six-figure income, and then you can push people around if you want to. But yeah, this is a really, really tough game. It gets much tougher every year, and it's it's probably something I couldn't uh, even recommend for your average person, except as a part-time you know, do part-time and make a ton of money, but don't try doing it full-time. Scott, love the honest, refreshing answer. Appreciated that. Um, you, oh, you know, that was well said. Couldn't, you know, couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. Scott, I appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much for coming on. This is a long time coming. We've been talking about you coming on for a while. I'm so glad we finally did it. Um, you're uh, one of my best friends in the business. And, uh, and I'm my, one of my good friends in general, like I, I really, um, you're such a great guy to know and, a, and, a, and a, such a, a great guy to be around. And um, I love learning from each other and, and getting better together. 
And um, I, I couldn't imagine Spank Odds being what it is today without you being a part of it, my man. So it really means the world to me. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. It was a pleasure being on your show. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.